This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and I am once again joined across the way by Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, week three college football in the books. Week two of the NFL concluding as we're recording this Monday night doubleheader tonight. Uh, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. This one this one goes out to my wife. Uh, you know, I, we said it last week. It's really hard to coordinate the uh, the kids' schedules and the naps and everything. And she goes, picks up Neely, takes her out to the park, gives me a, a free 30, 45 minutes here to talk about football. So I am very lucky and I'm feeling grateful today. Um, and it helps that I'm in a good mood because because football was a great weekend for me too. So, Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, the support that we get from our, our loved ones uh, make this even possible with the, the busy lives that we have away from football and, and, and away from talking about this and having a good time for sure. So let's get right into it. Week three to college football more a lot more to talk about some really star-studded performances again by some really recognizable names some new people that we haven't talked much about that kind of thrown themselves onto the radar a little bit that you know we got to get some better eyes on so so let's jump right into it we don't start with the nfl draft report where we kind of talk through our ss teams of the week and these are draft eligible prospects so so let's kind of get right into that the first string quarterback of the week is Jaden Daniels out of LSU. LSU rolled 41-14 over Mississippi State. Jaden Daniels was 30 of 34, 361 yards and two touchdowns, 64 yards rushing and two touchdowns. I'm not sure I ever imagined Jaden Daniels having that type of passing stat line. You know, when we watched him a couple of years back at Arizona State. First string running back of the week this week is Dejon Edwards out of Georgia. He helped Georgia after a little slow, sluggish start in South Carolina win 24-14. He had 20 carries for 118 yards and one touchdown and dominated the backfield work. At wide receiver, first string of the week, Malik Neighbors out of LSU. We already talked about Jaden Daniels' performance. Malik Neighbors had 13 catches, 239 yards, and two touchdowns for the guy I consider the number two wide receiver in the country. And at the tight end position, another re, uh, a, re, uh, a reboot from a couple weeks ago. Benson out of Kansas State. They lost to Missouri, but he had five catches, 78 yards, and two touchdowns. Jeff, I'll open it up to you. Anywhere you want to go there with, with anybody from the first string. Well, let's start with the pass catches, pass catcher quarterback combo of Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbor. So, yeah, I, I mean, we talked very brightly about Keon Coleman. I mean, his stock was on the rise, right? But... We talked about where he might fit in this class of wide receivers. We know headlining Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think we just, Malik Neighbors is just saying, don't forget about me, man. And that, you know, that is a headliner type performance that that he put together there. And again, just credit to Jaden Daniels for, for being able to, you know, to provide that there. Like, I think I was pretty critical of him to start last year. I don't think his play at the beginning of last year um, was at the level it is right now. And I think, you know, one of the things that I feel bad about, like we missed the storyline of his improved play over the course of last year. And so, you know, really credit to Jaden Daniels for being able to come in and, and really start, you know, 
start where he left off, right? You know, not, not a regression, you know, being able to continue to build upon that growth. Right. And so, you know, a huge credit to Jaden Daniels. I mean, that's a, he basically pitched a perfect game. Yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was an incredible performance and, you know, listen, like I said, I just didn't really think he had that in his arsenal. We saw improvement, but 30 out of 34, I don't care what you're, I don't care what level you're talking about. 30 out of 34 is an impressive stat line. And yeah, Malik Neighbors, listen, since the, before the season started, when we did the wide receiver show, I have him right there. Like he's going to be a top 10, top 12 pick, I think in the 2024 NFL draft. You know, we know Marvin Harrison Jr. has a legit chance to be a top five pick. I think Malik Neighbors is, is, is very much in the mix, you know, to be a top eight, top 10, top 15. I, you know, I think that's the trajectory and how explosive a playmaker he is. And you put up that stat line, it kind of really shows that he's the complete package. He can win inside, outside. He can win in all three levels of the field. He can win after the catch. Uh, really a complete player that I, that I think is going to just continue to see his overall. I think most people look at him as a round one guy, but I, I think he can even push his way in, into the top half of round one and maybe be even in the top 10 consideration. Uh, if I kind of transition this over to, to Dejan Edwards, you know, what was nice about him is like, we know the Georgia backfield is, is production waiting to happen. You know, and we talked about Kendall Milton a little bit on, on the running back preview show before the season started. We've kind of been waiting years for Kendall Milton, you know, and he's really hasn't materialized to the player we thought and at Edwards in his first real opportunity this year, you know, in a spot that, that Georgia really was struggling for a while there, like, you know, to, to add chip in 118 yards, one touchdown. You know the five foot ten, two hundred pound back. Clearly, you know they looked at him as as the guy that they were going to feed the other day because you know he he dominated the backfield touches, and I think that resonates. Uh, you know when you're talking about Georgia, usually loaded at the running back position. You know for Edwards to come in there uh, and seize that, I, I thought was significant. And then Benson, uh, again, I don't think people are talking much about him. People know Jatavian Sanders. People know you know obviously Brock Bowers. But I think Ben Sinnott's got a real chance to be the third tight end in this class. And, and I think he could be a guy who's squarely on the day two mix. And I said from the first week recap show, I think Ben Sinnott's, the offense run through him in K-State. And you don't really see a lot of college passing offenses where the offense is, is really ran through the tight end. And that's the type of role that I think Ben Sinnott is really, uh, we've seen now over multiple weeks already in the early portion of this college football season. So, Impressive performance by him again, Jeff. Any any thoughts there? You want me to take the second string? Well, just a you know a quick on Dejon Edwards. That's one of those ones where I really need to get my eyes in on him. Um, but this is you know this is the 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 alert. This is the call. This is the ring of the doorbell to say, um, you know he's entering the conversation. Yeah, for sure. So let's take this to the second string team of the week at the quarterback position. We just can't get away from talking about him. It's Shady Sanders out of Colorado, 43-35, double overtime victory over Colorado State, 38-47, 348 yards and four touchdowns. Doing most of that without his star player, Travis Hunter. Uh, we'll talk more about Sanders momentarily. The second string running back of the week is Blake Corum out of Michigan. He helped uh, Michigan Chris to an easy 31-6 victory. This past week, he had 101 yards rushing and two touchdowns. But I think the significant thing is, you know, Donovan Edwards has really not got off to a, a big-time start. And there was a lot of people, Dave Brugler, other people, you know, that had Edwards right there with Blake Corum entering the season. I know you had some reservations. 
right now we haven't seen Edwards really seize that opportunity for him right now uh, and been the more productive back. Uh, the second string wide receiver of the week, back to that Colorado, Colorado State game. It's Tony Horton out of Colorado State. 16 catches, 133 yards, and one touchdown. And then the, the second string tight end of the week is Jaheim Belligan out of Florida State. He helped Florida State hold off uh, Boston College 31-29 as Boston College had a furious comeback in the second half to almost pull off the, the major upset. He had five catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, for me, it you know, let's talk about Sanders for a second. It's remarkable what we're seeing him do without Travis Hunter. They they fall behind. You know, I, you know, on the East Coast. You know, I threw in the towel unfortunately at around midnight, and I recorded the rest of it just because with, with the young kids, I needed a couple hours of sleep. And like, I woke up once, I rolled over bed, looked at the score, and they were down eight. And Colorado State had the ball with like three minutes left, and I was like, I can't believe Colorado's going to lose this game only to wake up in the morning and find out what happened. 98-yard touchdown drive, you know, the the clutch-type performance we like to see, you know, do it without a star-wide receiver. He has people like Mel Kuyper, who we know Mel Kuyper is locked in, saying he's QB3 in this class. He doesn't seem, see that changing. And if he decides to go back to school, he's already saying he thinks he would be the first pick in the draft in the 2025 NFL draft. Kuiper is not someone who throw things out there, you know, so like, you know, he, he's the GOAT, he's the OG, like, you know, in draft stuff. So like, he's putting that out there already. This is after only a few games at, at the Power 5 level. So Sanders just continues to blow me away with his poise and composure. Um, you know, we'll see the next couple of weeks, Oregon and USC without his star wide receiver. Uh, it's going to be a real challenge. Can he keep them competitive in those games? I, I think we'd continue to speak volumes for what he's doing this year. And if he pulls off an upset in either of those games, uh, you're going to start seeing them as legitimate, legitimate in contention to win the Heisman. And that's how wild of a start it's been this year. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts on Sanders? Just because, I mean, what what we've seen every game from him is has just been truly remarkable. I don't know. I think he, I hear he's texting with Tom Brady now, so... You know, I think that that carries more weight than even Mel Kuyper's ringing endorsements. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I think the minute I saw Mel Kuyper mock uh, Mac Jones to San Francisco, I think I, I lumped him with Adam Schefter and everyone else in the book. I say you don't know Paul, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I mean, just a ninety-eight yard drive, you know, game on the line. Like, I was really in on Jake Hayner uh, last year, who who became a mid-round pick you know for someone without all the tools um you know watching a performance like that him paul fresno stayed in to win a game against adversity and odds i think it was injured it that moxie that that's going to get you drafted even if you don't have the tools now 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 put the package together that shader sanders has and i certainly think i'd probably take him over in the 21st in the 2025 class along with a few other of of the quarterbacks this year if they choose to go back um we might get to some of them later but you know right now we just have question marks with alar and klubnik and and maybe a few others you know for their the debbie draft eligible players yeah as sanders came out next year he's easily the front runner um if, if it's him and and all the underclassmen i'm gonna kind of go in and just say um you know jaheim bell He's always been a fascinating name with the type of athleticism he brings. It's great to see it emerge on the field. 
we mentioned it last week with tight ends. It, how are they, how is that utilized on an NFL field? Like, I really want to see him get into a creative play callers game plan. I don't really care when it is in draft capital with, with regards to tight end. I think he's just that kind of player who can show up on a field and then start making impacts, you know, Darren Waller-esque. Um, but I want to spend the most of my time here talking about Blake Corum because it, it's not anything against Donovan Edwards. I think he is, Donovan Edwards is really good for what he is. I, I mean, he's a home run hitting back and amazing in space. We just see Blake Corum play the position that, you know, as Michigan needs it in a complete, well-rounded um, manner. And he's outplayed Donovan Edwards. And, you know, I even kind of got a little bit of a conversation back and forth. Um, you know, people who have just been off Blake Corum because, you know, Donovan Edwards was, you know, the promise. And with his, you know, home run athleticism, we we just drool over that uh, open field explosive playmaking and we just sometimes like lose the forest for the trees you know when quorum is out here just making guys miss at the line of scrimmage earning extra yards and hitting these big plays you know 12 for 101 and two touchdowns like it's not like he's some scrub either he i wouldn't be surprised if we see more edwards as the season goes on because i think that's going to be michigan's key to success when both of those guys are going, that's how we saw them close out Edwards to be able to come in and show more than he's doing now. But I don't think that's at the expense of Corum because Corum just picked up where he left off um, after suffering the injury this year. Yeah, it's been a great start for Corum. Great to see him back from that injury and doing what he does. And listen, I, I think people are down on him, but I think the, I think the people who who know, you know, like I, I go back to, he was number one on on the Dave Ruiz running back board, and I think Dane does his own scouting, but also, you know, it would be impossible to have the connections that he has and not at least maybe at times be a little influenced by like the people that you talk to, the you know the the pro people and stuff, you know, and and he had Blake Corbin number one, like so I I think that speaks volumes that the the people you know most in the know, you know, really like him. I think sometimes the Debbie community. They're always looking for that new shiny toy and and the one that stands out most on paper, you know, like traits and and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I think Blake Corm is the kind of guy that, you know, the vision, the patience, you know, his, his ability, you know, the natural run instincts are, are right now far superior than than his teammate. Uh, and, and I think that's going to really, you know, win him over in terms of NFL scouts and evaluators. Uh, hopefully, you know, injuries is not something that curbs back up. Um, you know, it's going to be fun to kind of watch Michigan and see if they can, you know, ride him and JJ McCarthy's playing well and, you know, and see how far it can take them. Uh, last one I get one of just like yeah. last comment because, you know, I think it's paralleling something I saw a couple of years back with Najee Harris, right? You know, we liked Najee. He returned to school and then everybody kind of fell off to this like, well, why did he return into school? He's playing a senior year. Maybe he just wants to go for a championship, X, Y, Z. But, you know, everybody's kind of got like these little warning flags in their head without the realization that he's just a really good player who decided to go back to school and play another year and also play really, really well. But he never really picked up steam until he really became, you know, the until the draft buzz really picked up on him and he became a first round pick. And I think that's, I, I, that's what we're probably going to see the path for Quorum is, you know, eventually the 
the drumbeat is going to be too loud come draft season. And we come to the realization, whether you do before draft or you get hit with the harsh reality after the NFL draft, you know, that quorum is one of the top backs and will be selected, you know, before a lot of other big names. Yeah, I, yeah, listen, I'm right there with you. Totally agree. Uh, Tony Horton, I want to mention him, you know, in that performance, I said 16, 133 and one. He's, I think, I'm pretty sure he's on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He's a really athletic player. Last year, you know, missed some time due to injury, and he's back now. And he's a guy who, before this is all said and done, we're talking about a guy who I think could be in, in the day two mix for sure. Uh, you know, and, and, and he got some national tension this past week, obviously, with all the eyes on that Colorado, Colorado State game. You know, it was impressive to see him kind of ball out in that game. Before we take this over to the SS Debbie team of the week, uh, honorable mention, you know, two names, uh, two new names, really, in terms of the draft eligible guys at the running back position, Damian Martinez out of Oregon State. Uh, he held Oregon State this past weekend, uh, secure a victory 26 to 9 over San Diego State, 15 carries, 102 yards. So that's a running back I want to get some more eyes on. You know, I thought that, you know, kind of popped off a little bit. And then at the wide receiver position, Nate McMullen out of UNC. Helped UNC win 31-13 over Minnesota. He had 15 catches for 165 yards and one touchdown. He's on the short side, 5'8", 180. But we sort of connection Drake may have with, with, with Josh Downs. He might be looking at a guy like McCollum as his new Josh Downs for this year. And we'll be interested to see if this is something that, you know, that uh, they make Mullen could, uh, you know, kind of have some success here consistently. He only had one catch in his previous game, you know, and that explodes here for 15. So, He's got to keep on our radar for sure. Let's take this to the SS Debbie team in a week at the quarterback position. Uh, you mentioned his name before, uh, Kate Klubnick out of Clemson. He helped Clemson win 48-14 over Florida Atlantic. He had 169 yards passing and three touchdowns, about 35 yards rushing and one touchdown. Let the week before that, he had 315 yards and four touchdowns. So rebounding from a shaky start uh, that he had in that week one game versus Duke. Uh, running back position, Trevor Trevor Etienne out of Florida. You know, Gators had a big win over Tennessee this past weekend, 29-16. He had 172 yards and a rushing touchdown at the wide receiver position. No tight end really stood out, so we're we're kind of cheating. Two wide receivers on the SAS Debbie team of the week. Luther Burden out of Missouri, seven catches, 114 yards and two touchdowns. And Tet McMillan out of Arizona, six catches, 89 yards and one touchdown. Jeff, any quick thoughts on these Debbie guys? I know Burden and McMillan real high up in, in Debbie wide receiver ranks. Uh, they lived up to the billing this weekend for sure. Uh, any thoughts on them or either Etienne or Klubnik? Well, I think this might have been Burden's biggest game in his career. I know his his freshman year was generally quiet despite you know showing some of the promise. I just don't think Missouri ever really got that going. Um you know, seven for 114 and two touchdowns is the type of Evan Stewart-like uh, production we we highlighted last week, you know, that really shows why, you know, that tandem, why Stewart and Burden are headlining a really strong, um, you know, 2025 wide receiver class. I just don't want us to lose sight of Ted McMillan at all. He's, he should, uh, you know, we watched Jacob Cowing before he returned to school. We we watched uh, Dorian Singer. You know, Ted McMillan was someone who stood out when you were watching those games. Um, and I believe he's on, you know, some really high-profile Debbie Raiders as well. Um, it, one of those players that I love the way he wins at the catch point. 
I think his route running is is sound. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a really good player. I'd love to see how his game evolves from here. Yeah, it's going to be fun to kind of watch. You know, listen, we talked about Evan Stewart last week, you know, and then Burden and McMillan today. I mean, Borden and McMillan today. You know, we're talking about, you know, Burden, McMillan, and Stewart, you know, and even Travis Hunter, we can run the mix too. We're talking about four of the top Debbie wide receivers. Like, the wide receivers, we just feel like we keep churning them out. Like, there's just more star-studded ones after star-studded one. And even this past draft class, we didn't think it was going to be so great. And there's and there's so many of them dominating already early in their careers in the NFL. And this was a down-wide receiver class. Uh, so maybe that's the perfect transition to the NFL Rookie Report for this week. Uh, you know, we kind of, we're going to talk to about four or five guys. But rather than announce a rookie team of the week every week, we said it's going to be, like you said last week, quarterback position is going to get repetitive and just rotating for the three young rookies. Same thing with the tight end position. Right now, B. John would probably be a guy we're talking about every week, the running back. So we're just going to talk about, you know, a couple, throw out some names, numbers, and talk about the key things for this week. Uh, from week two of the NFL season in terms of rookie performances. At the quarterback position, C.J. Stroud, 384 yards and two touchdowns. I've been really surprised, at, and some of it's game, you know, the flow of the game, but I've been surprised at how much you're willing to let him throw the football. They're, they're throwing him to the fire and seeing what he can produce. Anthony Richardson looked amazing until he had to leave the game with a concussion. He was on his way to a monster fantasy and real-life performance, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, showing that before he took the the hit on the second rushing t- touchdown uh, to to get a concussion, Bijan continued to do Bijan things. It was like 170 almost total yards. Uh, you know, 23 touchdowns, helping uh, Atlanta get to a two and zero. Jameer Gibbs off to a slow start, but David Montgomery's gonna be out a couple weeks. Let's see what kind of role Jameer Gibbs has in the run game. But he did have nine uh, nine targets this past week, which led the way for the Lions. We know that's gonna be. Uh, you know, his bread and butter as the running continues to evolve there. Uh, we might see some Eric Gray this week, Saquon Barkley injury. We'll keep a close eye on that. Uh, and the pass catchers, I mean, what Puka Nuku is doing is just remarkable. 15 catches, 147 yards. The best performance, two-week performance from any rookie wide receiver in the history of the NFL. Jaden Reed, two touchdowns, being used in a variety of ways and alignments for Green Bay, helping, you know, offset the loss of Christian Watson early in the year due to injury. Tank Dell. We talked about C.J. Stroud, his running mate there, Tank Dow. They have a they have a good chemistry around. He's seven catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. You know, Noah Brown now on IR. Dell's going to see a lot. He's going to be their third wide receiver and continue to eat into getting looks there. And then Jalen Hyde only played 14 snaps, but impactful snaps, saving my giant season this past weekend. Uh, two catches, 89 yards. They got to find a way to get him on the field. Uh, due to his explosiveness. Right now, people just can't stay with him. That speed that is translating, and it's why teams love speed so much. He's showing why the impact that you can make, even in limited snaps, NFL teams are craving it. And then Dalton Kincaid, five catches, 43 yards, uh, heavily involved. They run a lot of 12 personnel, him and Dawson Knox on the field constantly. So he's not really being asked to block much or making use of his pass catching ability, which is what they should be doing for sure. So, Jeff, a lot of ways you can go with this. Stroud, Bijan, Gibbs' role with Montgomery out, Jaden Reed or Puka, you know, wherever you want to go. A couple a couple key guys here that I think we can probably expand upon a little more even. Uh, look, I mean, Tank Dell, I think he's breaking odds with his stature, but it's something that you absolutely love to see in a changing NFL. 
as long as Stroud is slinging it nearly 50 times a game, like there is going to be fantasy value because his play is a huge upgrade from last year when it was uh, the Mills and um, man, I can't even remember who they subbed in for for Davis Mills, but uh, Stroud is a big upgrade there and 50 passes from him can actually support fantasy options like Nico Collins. Um, And I think what you see with those reps is growth. So like, keep, keep it coming. I I'd love to see that. Um, you know, Jaden Reed taking, taking advantage of this opportunity. Now, you know, seeing green Bay, you know, and their offense operate, I do think, you know, every one of their pass catchers and, you know, Jordan love is, is a stock up to me. Um, but one of the things is I was a really big on Jaden Reed. I thought he had an opportunity to become the, Chris Godwin to the Christian Watson, Mike Evans, you know, the, the more trusted third down target possession guy, um, looks like even give him some of those pop passes, get him into open space and on field, all things he does really well. He can be an engine of the green Bay offense that I think can operate with multiple whiteouts, um, with, with both having fantasy value. I think that would be at the expense of Romeo dubs, who I believe got injured, um, as well. I thought maybe he went out for a little bit. Maybe that's why we see a little bit more Jaden Reed this last week. Um, Dalton Kincaid, you know, again, the all of the rookie tight ends, I, th- I see a lot for Sam Laporta. You know, they're doing well. It's an anomaly, but it's one we like to see. I, I love getting, you know, new trends for the NFL. So seeing, you know, rookie tight ends, you know, contribute for their teams. Again, growth is up ahead. But I don't think how we, you know, we can leave this conversation without talking about Puka Nakua. Um, I think the best discourse that I've seen out there right now is Puka isn't playing the Cooper Cup role. He's getting Cooper Cup usage, but he's playing it in a Robert Woods role. And he's doing stuff that uh, McVay liked to do with, uh, you know, a younger Robert Woods on, you know, the star studded Rams team when it was him and Cooks and, and Cooper Cup, you know, all playing, you know, extremely well out there. You know, I think Puka had some end arounds, you know, they're, they're, he's playing on the outside. I mean, we could see a really high power Rams offense if Puka and Cooper Cup are both playing at elite levels here. You know, I think this, this spells great things for Matt Stafford. I think it rejuvenates the energy for the Los Angeles Rams. You know, that was, that was a franchise that people were starting to feel a little bit down on and you know, this is a jolt of electricity. I don't think you break Anquan Bolden's rookie receiving, you know, well, two games in, but I don't think you break that record accidentally. Um, yeah, I bet you a lot of those targets are, you know, San Francisco giving up the underneath zone stuff. Sure. But that's 15 catches for 147 Mm -hmm. yards. I think he was probably like the leading receiver on the week. He's definitely the leading receiver of the first two weeks. And regardless of whether you're just getting dump offs, you're not getting 150 yards without without playmaking ability. And it's really what we're seeing there. Um, and he's opening up the offense. You know, he's opening things up for Kyron Williams to play well. I think we're going to see Cooper Cup come in. And I think this offense could be extremely dangerous. Yeah, listen, what he's been doing is truly remarkable. And one way to use that as kind of the transition point to the Dynasty Stock Report for this week in terms of our final segment. And on the Dynasty Stock Report, I had, I haven't updated the ranks yet, my Dynasty ranks, and I haven't even updated my my rookie ranks. You know, I want to get that done. You know, I have a long weekend here, so you know, next weekend I'm hoping to get that fully updated. 
I don't really know what to do with Puka Nuku in my ranks. I don't know. I don't know what to do in my rookie ranks. Do we throw everything else we knew? And you know, like, does he move to uh, Jackson Smith in the Jigba territory? Does he move ahead of Jordan Addison? Like, I think it's a very tricky thing to kind of, you know, it's such uncharted territory. This level of performance that I, where do you put him stacked up with the other rookies? Where do you put him stacked up? I know somebody had offered me a second round rookie pick after the first week, and I was like, nope, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know. Meanwhile, I took him in like the fifth round. And I was like, nope, I'm good. I'm not giving him away after that week one performance for a second round rookie pick. And if the same guy came back to me today and offered me a round one rookie pick, I think I still probably would reject it just to this where we're at right now. So I think trying to find a value uh, is very hard. And I, I, I think next week, if we kind of circle back in the in the stock report, you know, I, I'll, maybe I'll kind of let the audience know where I kind of put him in my, you know, I keep the rookie rankings going throughout their rookie seasons. And the positional dynasty overall, I, I think he's a tricky one right now after these performances on, on just how much do we value these unbelievable performance to start his career against the fact that, yeah, he was, a you know, a day pre-pick and Cooper Cup is absent. And, you know, how to appropriate value, I think, is a very tricky, very tricky proposition right now. And then his teammate, you mentioned them, Kyron Williams, Cam Actors inactive. You know, it's now Kyron Williams' show, at least for the time being, right? We saw Cam Akers go away last year and then come back later in the year. We kind of we kind of saw this writing on the wall last week. We said, you got to be realistic. And, and Kyron Williams was was taking over this backfield. And I think the bigger question is now, does he have staying value? I know he has staying value for this year. I, I don't think that's going to change. But, like, is he a guy that could be a starting running back for the, for the Rams, you know, more than just this year? Does he have dynasty appeal for a two-year window or, you know, I know we never like to think more than that for running backs, but like, how do we maybe appropriately value him? Any, any thoughts on valuing these two young Rams players that that have really changed the outlook on what we expected the Rams to be early in this year, maybe the whole year, and especially without Cooper Cup, and now it's totally been different. And these two guys are are, are two of the main reasons why. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you're playing safe. You know, taking a first round pick, especially if it's, you know, not going to be at the very end, you know, if it could be even early, that's the safe route to take, you know, for trading away Puka Nakua. Like, hey, what if that turned into Marvin Harrison Jr., right? You're feeling pretty good. That being said, that's not fun at all, right? You took this guy <laughs> in the fifth round. Like, why don't you, you know, why don't you see if you've got Anquan Bolden on your hand, right? I Like, I'm feeling that way about Brock Purdy. Why don't I see if he's Tom Brady? It could be. Probably not. But why not, you know? So I think if you're going to play it safe, like you take the return on investment, but you have to kind of take that with, you know, your own team. Like it, if, if you're just looking for that electric piece, just, just write it out because I really do think he and Cooper cup can exist really well together. Uh, again, we saw Cooper cup and Robert Woods exist really well together. I think, you know, that was at Robert Wooks, Robert Woods's start of his decline. Like, you know, Puka Nakua is is on the rise now as a rookie. Like he's getting, he's going to be getting better. So I, I'm all about holding and and riding this roller coaster and and just like making someone drastically overpay if they if they want to ride it too. Um, you know, as for Kyron Williams, man, I got uh, I got roasted in my Scott Fish, Fishbowl chat because you know I spent an inordinate amount of fab. I spent over like sixty bucks of fab. It, to the point where I didn't even have enough to bid up, bid for Zach Wilson as the only starting quarterback remaining. 
just to get Kyron Williams on my team. And I dropped Rashad Penny for it and I got roasted. And everyone was like, mm-hmm. oh, someone picked up Rashad Penny as soon as waivers cleared. You know, like, what are you doing? Let's one week later. And, um, you know, I'm looking like a genius here. Not that I predicted him to just completely crush San Francisco's, you know, vaunted defense because he was on my bench <laughs> in all of my leagues. Um, but he was one of my priority ads and it, we talked about it a- after week one. Like, I, you know, I listened back to the podcast. I, you know, we said, would you rather Kyron Williams over Cam Akers in redraft? Cause that's what it seemed like, like the Rams were thinking, right? It seems what McVay was thinking. Turns out that that was right. You know, the Rams love Kyron Williams. And I think it's very similar to like a Damian Pierce type situation where no, he doesn't have early draft cap. No, I don't even think Kyron Williams is is a complete NFL back where he's going to just be able to take on a workhorse role for a team, you know, for years. He might have that opportunity now, and he might have it next year. You know, I do think other players will sprinkle in, but we know McVay likes them. We, you know, that was... That was the biggest thing we heard, and my the one of the things I took away from last year that I didn't want to forget was that the Rams were all in on Kyron Williams in Week One, and when he injured his ankle, it was a huge blow to the team. And all we see is them come back out now, start involving him from Week One, give him the backfield Week Two. You know, whatever they don't see Cam Akers doing, they they see in Kyron Williams and. You know, I, I just think um, when it when we kind of take that into Cam Akers, I think the only thing we can hope for is a trade at this point. I don't think Akers is a bad player at all. I just think he's going to need a new, you know, set of scenery. And, you know, I drafted him in a bunch of places this offseason, just hoping that he got that workhorse role. And, and I just think the expectations really need to be adjusted that, he can still provide some fantasy value if he finds himself in a favorable new situation. But oftentimes in situations like this, when being traded to a new team, it's not always pretty. You get a Chase Edmonds-like career trajectory sometimes. And um, and we have to be somewhat cautious about, uh, you know, maybe taking what value you can get at this point. Yeah, listen, I, I think if he gets traded somewhere, he's not going to step into a big role right away. You know, maybe injuries and depth chart can open up at some point down the line. But, you know, I think he takes a massive hit for where his current value is right now. You're not alone. And we didn't talk about this, but I spent 61 of $100 in one of my fab leagues for Kyron Williams. And I plugged him in last week. So, you know, when I found out that Cam Akers was inactive. So we, we were definitely, you know, there were some vibes, some Saturday, Sunday vibes that, that we were putting in a uh, big bid there for Kyron Williams. Let's round it out real quick. Two last points in, in the dynasty one. One is, don't lose sight of veteran wide receivers who could still produce at a high level, but some people in the dynasty circles so much value youth that they're sometimes really devaluing really good players to great players. And two guys that came to mind with their performances this week were Mike Evans and Keenan Allen. Nobody wants them in dynasty league sometimes because they're old, they're 30, whatever they, whatever they, that exact age, 30, 31, whatever it is, but they're still performing at a really high level. And I think it's something that, you know, you could sometimes find really good value when people are overvaluing youth and not and deep and undervaluing really good players who are still productive veterans. And then the last point, 
is I do think it's time to to start, you know, being a little bit more concerned that, and I'm a Justin Sands guy. I'm a fan. I love him coming out. He was my QB two in that class. I had a Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and stuff like that. But we're not seeing growth and development at all. And we can blame the coaching staff and and we could have that conversation. And but it's not all on the coaching staff. It's not a lot of it's on him. His his clock is just slow to die to, to to you know process information at the NFL level and we are seeing him regress in areas and not grow and develop that that I think, you know, give me Anthony Richardson right now in Dynasty, not even a hesitation if I can make that trade. Give me Trevor Lawrence. You know, there's I have a lot of concerns as much as I still believe in the player. I don't know if it's going to be a totally different coaching staff or regime. We, we got that a little bit, and we're still seeing some of the same issues. So so I think it's stocked down on Justin Fields right now, and the level of concern, I think it's time to start rising. And the only reason why it hasn't been there yet is because how much he was beloved in the Debbie community. I feel like the Debbie community really holds on, and the fantasy community really holds on to to their their pre-draft thoughts. If this was Josh Allen doing this, if this was Daniel Jones doing this, if this was somebody like that who most of the community hated, there's no way people would be defending Josh Allen or Justin Field uh, or Daniel Jones for the performances, the passing performances that Justin Fields has struggled with over the last two years, even as he's been an impactful player. So I think it's an interesting thing there. Uh, maybe just real quick, a Justin Field thought, and then and then we'll I'll close it out. I'm a huge Justin Fields fan myself. I want to see his his growth and success. Um, I think the other the other thing kind of inflating it is is the fantasy lens, right? He had a stretch last year of almost like ten weeks where he was either like a QB one, the QB one overall, or like a top five guy. And you know, all of that was on you know on groundbreaking rushing. And I, you know, we do need to see you know the passing development work its way as well. I recall back to one of the episodes when, you know, I think Matt was on with us too, and we were talking about Kyler Murray and it was after his, you know, 2020 season where he was, you know, really emerging, you know, as a player. And, you know, the question was, I, I think the question was, could he be QB one overall in dynasty, you know, over a Pat Mahomes, over a Josh Allen, you know, and, and the one thing I, I highlighted in, you know, why I hadn't put him in that tier was that, Development is not linear. It's something we say all the time here. And, you know, you see, you know, we got really excited for Justin Fields, you know, last year, right? Where we see some really good dynamic playmaking ability in the passing game and this stellar playmaking ability in the run game. And we just, we see what he could be and he is becoming in front of our eyes before we hit a roadblock and we hit a stumbling block. And those stumbling blocks don't have to be permanent, right? Players can overcome that in their careers, but it's more likely than not, they don't just hurl those and keep, you know, growing into superstars. And I think that's the case we're seeing with Justin Fields right now is I don't know that this, this hurdle, especially with the, the trouble and the difficulty at the speed of processing is one that he's just going to magically clear and and resume that trajectory that he was on for us, you know that the premature coronation of him as 
the next big thing in football, in fantasy football, in quarterbacking. I am rooting for that to happen. I really am. Um, I just don't see it happen often with after performances like this. It's usually more of an indication that a player is stuck. And I don't frequently see players get unstuck from that level. And that's my biggest concern. Yeah. And listen, I think people, again, because they like him, because they want their pre-draft takes to be right. I think people just assumed he was going to make the Jalen Hurts jump this year. And I said, like, I thought people were way too high on him on redraft leagues this year because I just think people were assuming that jump. What Jalen Hurts did last year was unprecedented. That is not a normal progression jump to to develop like that. And people just thought Justin Fields was going to be there, but he shown he had shown nothing yet in his career as a passer to think that he was going to take that Jalen Hurts jump. And we were so quick to criticize the coaches, us included. What are they oh. doing, Matt Nagy? But you know what? Like We don't know the inner working. Matt Nagy is not a dummy. He's worked with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. And like, the, you know, so maybe, maybe we thought, oh, it's just him. But maybe they were seeing something that Fields couldn't do a more elaborate offense that they wanted to. So they were yeah. putting together a really weird, watered down. Like, we don't know all the logistics of it. But now we're seeing another scheme that another organization, another front office, another coaching staff, another, you know, you know, still not get that elite level playmaker that I think people thought were there. We saw glimpses last year, but really we saw glimpses of him, his athletic ability making plays that have that kind of left kind of made people forget that he still was very shaky as a passer last year. Two two points to close this up here. So one, you know, we ju- I just talked about Kyler Murray and look what we're looking at with Jalen Hurts. Like he doesn't look quite the same player as Jalen Hurts last year. Not saying that he's hitting the like a a wall the same way Kyler Murray did, but the development isn't linear. It's not exponential. It's going to be up and down, and it's one of those things that we have to be ready for. We haven't seen Jalen Hurts hit that level of adversity yet, right? What is how is Jalen Hurts going to respond when he hits the same types of adversity that Kyler Murray had to face? Yeah. How did Kyler Murray respond? You know, th- this is who they are as players, and this is this is the story of their careers. It's not written yet; still going. And one of the things that really helps that story is something we mentioned with Anthony Richardson last year. It's it's the, or, or last week we mentioned it with his marriage with with Steichen and just a perfect situation of helping a player be the maximum of who they could be develop with you know, using the strengths that they can provide on the field using the tools that they bring you know to support the rest of their growth and development as that progresses and you know maybe it's is the situation where you know fields is going through situate times when he has that support and when he's got to do it by himself which isn't is a lot of things most athletes have to do most athletes don't get that level of support and it's up to them to be able to figure it out oh but it sure helps when they've got it man it sure helps when they've got it and i think justin fields is trying to figure that out maybe without that level of support yeah it's it's something it's something missing we can't you know we can't pinpoint it it's a long year so we'll see what kind of happens here uh, the, the rest of the way. I still love the player and had a rooting for him, but, but I think the level of concern is definitely been elevated. So there it is, guys. Another 
SS teams of the week for the draft eligible guys, Debbie team of the week, NFL rookie report, NFL dynasty fantasy stock report, uh, covering a lot from the week three of the college football season and week two of the NFL season. If you're enjoying this content, please get over to the website, ssfootball.com. Fastest and easiest way to get to the website. Check out our premium content for $9.99. Uh, you get all access to all our premium notebooks. It is the best way to support the show and help us continue to do what we're doing here. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>